Hey guys, so we wanted to let you know we recorded this podcast prior to Taylor Swift's newest documentary coming out about folklore. So all the things that we talked about during this episode about Betty is prior to all of the knowledge we received from Taylor during that amazing documentary. So we're going to have a little snippet towards the end that's going to have our reactions and our ideas and thoughts about the newest documentary. So please enjoy this week's episode. Devin, what are you doing here? Well, I thought I'd show up at your party. Will you have me? Welcome to Tay 2Z, where we chat about every Taylor Swift song in alphabetical order. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab, and we will be your hosts on this journey. In our last episode, we talked about Better Than Revenge from Speak Now. Better Than Revenge. <laughs> and today we are discussing Betty from Folklore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Betty is the 14th track on Folklore. Folklore was released on July 24th, 2020, and this song was co-written by William Bowery, who is a songwriter with no previous credits that many fans have speculated is a pseudonym for Taylor's boyfriend, Joe Alwyn. Oh! They've come up with this, coming from his great-grandfather's name, William, and Bowery stemming from a location where Taylor and Joe had a date early on in their relationship. Interesting. Given that they were in quarantine while Taylor was writing this album, I think it's quite likely. It could be. And he probably has some pretty good songwriting capabilities. Mm -hmm. He's an actor. A creative, A creative, if you will. So I feel like he might be able to help her write songs, a.k.a. Betty. Yeah. Ooh. And William Bowery is also credited in Exile, Ooh. which we'll get to, but I thought that's interesting. I forgot about that. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Betty has been performed live just once so far at the American Country Music Awards this past year. Uh, she played it on her guitar with the harmonica player backing her up. Since this was on live television, she couldn't swear. That's unfortunate. Mm. But she gave us that smirk mm-hmm. when she when she was supposed she was like, to say you it. You guys know. Absolutely. And this was Taylor's first performance of the ACMAs in seven years. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. Huge deal. Humongo deal. And it was the first time at for us as fans seeing her in a while. You know, like... And since Folklore had come out. Performing live, and, I mean, since she had done Lover stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, because of this pandemic, yeah. she hasn't been performing. Yeah. It was amazing. It, it's such a good performance. Betty is one of five songs on Folklore that uses explicit language. Mm-hmm. One of Taylor's first ever fucks in a song. Sorry, guys. We had to make this episode explicit. We had can't to. talk about an explicit song and not use the word fuck, because Can't. it's in the song. It's in it. Which it was a pretty big deal for Taylor. It's a lyric. Yeah. The clean and radio version of the song uses the lyric, tell me to go straight to hell, instead of tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> 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 if 
funny story about the explicit language. <laughs> when Folklore was released, um, you know, everyone was talking about Taylor dropping all the F-bombs on the album. And um, a friend of mine who had listened to Folklore many times already, she's a big Taylor Swift fan, she kept texting me and asking, where are the F-bombs? Why is everyone freaking out about Taylor saying, fuck, I can't hear it in any <laughs> song? And she's like, I can't find it. And I'm like, um, if you literally listen to the first song, she says shit in the first line. <laughs> And it turns out that my friend had downloaded the clean version without knowing it. Oh, <laughs> and boy. And it's just so funny. She was like, I don't understand. Everyone's freaking out about these curse words, and I can't find them. Where are they? Where are they? Where are these curse words so. on the clean version <laughs> of folklore? That's so good. Yeah. Also, just such a different experience seeing a Taylor Swift album that said explicit on it. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. First one. First one. Crazy. I dig it. I dig it as well. It makes it a lot more edgy. (laughs) Or just like whatever she was feeling, she just said. Yeah. And like we talked about with August, she is writing in the alternative style. And so that means that she's really got no boundaries when it comes to her songwriting. Mm -hmm. And so if she wants to write, you know, an F-bomb in there, she can. I like it. Yeah. I think it serves its purpose in this song. As she often does, Taylor released Folklore with a message to the fans. We will post the full message up on our Instagram story, but for the sake of brevity, this is an excerpt. A tale that becomes folklore is one that is passed down and whispered around, sometimes even sung about. The lines between fantasy and reality blur, and the boundaries between truth and fiction become almost indiscernible. Speculation over time becomes fact. Myths, ghost stories and fables, fairy tales and parables, gossip and legend, someone's secrets written in the sky for all to behold. In isolation, my imagination has run wild, and this album is the result, a collection of songs and stories that flowed like a stream of consciousness. Picking up a pen was my way of escaping into fantasy, history, and memory. I've told these stories to the best of my ability with all the love, wonder, and whimsy they deserve. Now it's up to you to pass them down. Oh, I love it. I just felt like I was a um, an audiobook uh, person. Yeah, it was nice. Thank you. I oh. love when Taylor writes her notes to us as an audience. And I love it for folklore and how this album is like a departure from her writing from her first person narrative and mm-hmm. how it's like their characters in these stories. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. So Gab, what do you think of this song? I love this song. I love the return of country and acoustic Taylor. It immediately felt like back to her roots. Mm. I love the, you know, the simple songwriting of it. Well, I don't know if it's simple, but the like, it's very easy to follow the through mm. line. Yeah, I just immediately, the first time I heard it, it was so accessible and I latched onto it the first time I listened to the album. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, it's very earnest and youthful. Uh, it's nostalgic in the way that August was as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like like I could have been in this situation as a 17-year-old. It just felt so relatable and possible. Yeah. And it immediately like put you right back there. And I especially love the harmonica mm-hmm. as a song. It was very exciting for me as a fan of harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan over here. Yeah, you know, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, love the harmonica. It was also just so exciting to see Taylor perform this at this ACMAs and show up at their party when she like tweeted like, so hey good. ACMAs, I'm going to show up at your party. So Loved good. It. So exciting. Yeah, I like the lyrics. I like the beat. I just think it's a great song. What about you? 
I love it. I really like this song. It is a good country song, like you said, and how it's awesome for her to go back to her roots. Mm-hmm. I love the simple guitar mm-hmm. and the storytelling, like you said, and the harmonica. Mm-hmm. Like It has a great vibe, and it's a cool addition to this album. And it's really neat for her to write from the point of view of a man mm-hmm. and a point of view from a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And to kind of go back and think like, how would a teenage boy possibly think about this situation Mm. as she's writing it, you know? Because a teenage boy definitely has different thoughts about things than a 30-something-year-old woman. Yeah. You know? So it is very interesting and and cool for her to write from that perspective. And early on, the whole thing about James being her, you know? Like, if if this was a song about Taylor and that she was using a a, a spy name Mm -hmm. as James, she has said that it is a song about a teenage boy. Mm Mm-hmm. And we know that this is part of the the Teenage Triangle songs, Love Triangles. It was also really cool how she performed it on the ACMAs, very simply, and just storytelling. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what country music is, and that's what country music has always been, is about the story. And even though this is an alternative album, this is a country song, but with, like, a little kind of alternative feel to it it doesn't really have a folky feel folk yeah, yeah absolutely it's it's really really neat the the one part of the lyric that kind of rubs me the wrong way mm-hmm. and i don't really understand her choice in using this adjective but mm. when she says would you kiss me in front of all your stupid friends mm. i think that we've talked about this before and and you were saying that it's like aha i like your stupid friends like they're you know they don't get us like they they're gossiping about us and and they don't understand our love Mm. but she could have had a different two-syllable adjective like goofy or silly or yeah see for me like what you were saying about it being from a 17 year old boy's perspective yeah in my perspective, she nailed that. Okay. And I think, I feel like the whole stupid friends is like what a boy, a 17-year-old boy would say. Like, in front of all your stupid friends. Like, that's, yeah. that line specifically seems very, like, young and immature. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, I, guess. I knew a lot of boys who'd be like, why are you friends with them? They're so annoying and that kind of thing. Sure. So it could be that kind of a vibe. It kind of, for me, it goes with, like, I'm only 17, I don't know anything, you know? Yeah, which is fascinating, and we'll obviously be getting into this more with Gossip Gab and the the teen love triangle, but all of the, again, the similarities and the connections between the three songs are really cool, and how she decided to do that, and this song particularly is, I think, my second favorite in the teen lover triangle. Mm. I think it's just a great song and a great story, and I love the melodic line of it, and I love the guitar line of it. Because I'm also, like, I've been learning this on guitar. It's pretty fun. (laughs) I also really like in the context of the whole folklore album, the album can be very, you know, mellow and dark at Mm -hmm. times. And I like the lightness to this song and where it falls towards the end of the album. I think it's it's a nice reprieve as you're listening to the whole album. Totally. And it's interesting that it is considered light, quote unquote, because it is actually about cheating and about him (laughs) 
completely messing up their relationship. It's true. So the fact that it's like, a, I don't know, more of a bop, if you will, on this album, it's interesting that that's juxtaposed with the plot of it. It's like, he messed up. The rumors are from Inez that mm. he, you know, cheated on Betty. And yet it's like, this is a fun guitar uh, country song with harmonica. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I and like that and also, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that also goes in line with like the whole teenager aspect of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Gab, do you relate to this song? <laughs> so like August that we, you know, have previously covered, I feel like this song is so relatable to anyone who grew up as a teenager in the suburbs. Hmm. You know, I did date a 17-year-old boy back in my day who would ride a skateboard by my house and who also hated dancing with me at school dances in the gym. Unacceptable. A la the line, Betty, I know where it all went wrong. Your favorite song was playing from the far side of the gym. I was nowhere to be found. I hate the crowds. You know that. Plus, I saw you dance with him. PSA, teenagers... It's cool to dance. It's so cool to dance. People find confidence and having fun attractive. So ask your crush to dance and just go for it. Like, no one is watching you dance because they're all self-conscious about how they're dancing. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you just go out there and you own it, other people are going to want to do that, too, and dance with you. And especially if you have a partner, dance with your partner. It's really nice to do. It's so nice. And it's really not cool when you don't, and then when they dance with someone else, in a totally platonic way, when you get mad at them. Yeah, you can't get mad then. Because you, you, they asked you to dance, and you said no. Yeah. So I hardcore relate to that aspect. Oh, yeah. Which, like, that sucks. And I'm really grateful that in our relationship, I found my lifelong dance partner. I yeah. think that's pretty cool. You know what? I Maybe. like to dance. Yeah. As I think everyone has seen with Dancing with Dev. Yeah. Dancing big, is fun. Big dancer. And, like, it's fun to also just, like, let loose. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I relate to it in the sense that, like, I knew that guy. Mm. At school. Mm -hmm. That guy who was, like, the cool guy mm. who always had a girlfriend but then always ended up cheating on them, mm. you know? But, like, because he was cool and charming and, like, hot. <laughs> Girls would continue to date him, even mm. though he was totally bad news. Mm -hmm. Like, James, you know, you don't get the full vibe of who James is, but it seems like he had some low self-confidence. Yeah, he wouldn't you know, dance. He wouldn't dance. Like, that's crazy to me. I mean, if you don't have the chutzpah and the confidence mm -hmm. to dance with your date or crush anywhere, mm -hmm. in, or you know, in, in life, partner... Whatever. Dancing is, like, literally the highest form of, like, courting. Like, mm. that is what dancing used to be. Like, oh, that yeah. is what dancing still is in so many cultures. Yeah, like, in, like, uh, Pride and Prejudice. You yeah. Know? yeah. You go to the ball. Mm -hmm. You you court. Cinderella. You, you have to know how to samba. You have to know how to do the bachata. Yeah. Like, when, yeah, in Pride and Prejudice, you had to know how to waltz. Mm -hmm. You had to know how to do all of that because that is part of the courting process. In our culture, dance has kind of like gotten thrown to the side and I don't understand it. So me, as a dancer mm -hmm. growing up and everything, I was like the toast of the school dances. Oh, yeah. Because I was the one that was always out there dancing and everyone wanted to dance with me. So... Listening to this, like... You were the him that James I, saw her dance with. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm proud to be that guy, 
you know, I'm proud to be the guy that likes to dance because yeah. people like to dance. And if you don't like to dance, I mean, that's okay if you don't like to, but then don't go and cheat on your girlfriend <laughs> for doing that. Yeah, James. Like, oh, I'm so, woe is me. I'm going to walk home on these cobblestones and, oh, and this girl shows up who's really into me. She's not going to dance with another guy. <laughs> I'm totally going to go and like have a affair with her for the rest of the summer. Mm-hmm. Like the whole summer. The what? days turns into nights. I thought of you all summer long. Yeah, slept next to her, but I thought of you all summer long. I feel like it was like, as we s- said, that was not a great sound. As we said in the August podcast, though, I feel like that was like a summer romance in a different location. So he cheated on Betty when he was in a different location I see. for the summer. That's what I think. I see. And it's interesting because this whole song, like he's, it's a planning song. It's not like he's actually doing the thing. Yeah, we don't know how it turns out. We don't know how it turns out. Cardigan is kind of our indication of how it turned out. Well, not really, because she says, I knew you'd come back to me. So she was aware, but we don't really know if she took him back or not. It sounds like she's singing from hindsight. We don't know if she took him back in that moment and lost him again or not. What do you personally think? I think that she did take him back. Mm -hmm. Ugh. (laughs) I think that she did take him back and then I think that he probably messed up again. For sure. And that is why she's singing Cardigan. Mm. And, you know, that sort of thing happens. Like, people take people back. Mm. Especially when they When they shouldn't. Especially when you love that person. Especially when you want to be with that person. Like... You you go back to them. It's easy. It's simple. And even though they probably will hurt you again. Mm. Cardigan is very interesting because she says, you know, when when you're young, you don't know anything. But then she's like, when I was young, I knew everything. I wasn't the one that messed up. Yeah. I knew that that was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating because like I like the James archetype makes sense to me, obviously, in this song. But I don't think I knew a James. I can't think of anyone in my high school that was like often cheating on girls or was, like, a player. Like, I feel like a lot of the guys that were, like, cooler and charming, like, didn't date anyone. But I might just, like, not be remembering it at all. If anyone went to my high school and can think of a cheater who's a James, (laughs) give me a message. You can probably DM me. (laughs) I can't think of anybody. Well, that's good. Yeah, I guess. What do you think? Do you think that she takes him back? I don't know, because, I mean, because we have the perspective of all the three songs. Yeah. And it seems like Betty is someone who is very smart, but also possibly fragile and finds her strength maybe later in life. Mm. So she might take him back in this moment, but I don't know how long it lasts, because James seems like the type to me that messes up a lot. Yeah. Which a lot of 17-year-old boys do. I think, you know, when you're dating one, you maybe think that they're not going to mess up, but (laughs) they do. Pretty much always. They do. Yeah. People mess up, and teenagers mess up, 20-somethings mess up. Yeah, but if I was Betty's friend, I'd be like, Betty, there are better fish in the sea. Like Inez? Maybe Inez. Well, no, Inez is a gossip, which, like, we like gossips, obviously. I'm Gossip Gab. But, like, (laughs) I don't know if Inez is the right pick, you know? I see. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, like, Jeremiah. Steven from Hey Steven. Yeah, she's, yeah. it's a nice song. So it Steven nice seems song. like a nice person, yeah. you know? Yeah, Steven, Steven's her friend from math class <laughs> who who's like, you know what? You shouldn't be seeing this James guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the he's, friend from math He's class. bad news. <laughs> the, the, the friend that you pass notes to in math class. And now we get to the segment of Gossip 
As we've mentioned, this song is one of three that make up the folklore teenage love triangle. For those of you who've been listening since the beginning, you know that we've already covered August from folklore, so be sure to go and listen to that episode as well if you are just joining us now with this episode. Yeah. So you can get the full span of the teenage love triangle. Betty is from James's perspective, as we've talked about. Cardigan is from Betty's perspective. And August is from the quote-unquote other woman's perspective, who we will call August for ease. Each song in the Teenage Love Triangle references the other songs. In Betty, James mentions Betty standing in her cardigan, kissing in cars, and being on her front porch, which are all referenced both in Cardigan and August, which was really cool listening for the first time, picking up on those Easter eggs, Mm -hmm. because we didn't know yet. Right. And then she told us there was a Teenage Love Triangle pretty early on once the album was released, and piecing them together, it was super exciting for people figuring out which was which. Yeah. Which was so fun. It was really cool. It was really cool with the release of the album and just the not knowing of why she wrote it and, like, what the songs meant. Yeah. And she was, like, totally, like, quiet about it for, no for like, a couple weeks. Like, no music video yeah. rollout in the beginning. Like, so everybody had all these crazy theories. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, we're going to get into some of those today. <laughs> One fun fact about the Teenage Love Triangle In Betty, when James replays the moment of August saying, James, get in, let's drive, the timestamp is exactly the same as in August when she says, get in the car. It's two minutes and 47 seconds, which adds up to the number 13. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And in Betty, when James says, I'm I'm here on your doorstep, it's at the same timestamp in Cardigan when Betty sings, you'd be standing in my front porch light. And that's at three minutes and 13 seconds. Seconds. Wild. Because this is Taylor, we can assume that those 13s are not coincidences. Exactly. There's no coincidence with Taylor. For those of you who don't know, 13 is Taylor's lucky number because she was born on December 13th, 1989. Fans pick up on the 13s. National holiday. often. (laughs) Yes, national holiday. Taylor's birthday. This is what Taylor said about Betty in a press release. So the song Betty is about a 17-year-old named James learning to apologize because James has lost the love of his life, basically, and doesn't understand how to get it back. I think we all have these situations in our lives where we learn to really, really give a heartfelt apology for the first time. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody really messes up sometimes. And this is a song that I wrote from the perspective of a 17-year-old boy. And I always love that in music, you can kind of slip into different identities and you can sing from other people's perspectives. So that's kind of her confirming that. she's singing from James' perspective as a 17-year-old boy. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, too, the idea of we all make mistakes and we really mess up. Yeah. It just That just prompted in me, like, thinking about the first time I really messed up bad and had to apologize And I'm sure that I had a time that was earlier than this, but I remember in fourth grade, there was a group of quote unquote mean girls that I was often influenced by because it's Mm. sometimes hard not to be. Mm -hmm. And I ended up writing a very mean letter with them to someone who was my very best friend. Oh, no. Yeah. And we all got called to the principal's office. We all had to write essays, like apologizing. But the true apology was me apologizing to my best friend and explaining, like, I have no idea why I did that. Yeah. And trying to explain that, like, I don't mean the things I said and that I was so sorry. Mm. And I can't remember any of the details, thank God. But I remember that moment. I remember apologizing in, like, a really deep, like, I really messed up way. Yeah. And I'm still friends with that person. Wow. 
So that's like the one of the first times I really messed up that wow. I, I remember. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I've messed up a lot. But I mean, that's interesting to think of the first time that you really have to say sorry. Mm-hmm. Like that first time when you know you really messed up. And you mean it, you know, not yeah. like, you know, like you like accidentally like bit your brother, but you didn't mean sorry. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Ridiculous. Devin doesn't know that I, I once bit my brother. I don't know that story. <laughs> oh boy. Do you have any memory of that? Of like No, I I have to like delve in. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Just came to me as I was reading that. I found yeah. it so interesting. Yeah. When folklore was first released, fans immediately speculated that the three names used in this song, James, Inez, and Betty were inspired by the names of Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' children. They are very good friends of Taylor's, as many of us know from social media. And Taylor later confirmed in a press release that she named all the characters after my friend's kids. Blake and Ryan hadn't released the name of their youngest daughter yet, so many fans learned that the child's name was Betty from this Aww, song. cute! Yes. And as Blake and Ryan's daughter, James, is a female, many fans liked the idea of the James in the song being a female singing about a crush on Betty. Mm. So it kind of gives it a different vibe mm-hmm. and a different lens to view the song through. And I actually really enjoy viewing Betty through a queer lens. And I like really support any fans who like to listen to it this way. There's a big section of the internet that mm-hmm. really likes viewing Betty through a queer lens. Yeah. And like what we've said in previous episodes, once an artist puts a song out into the world... It's really up to us to process and determine what it means to us. Yeah. So, you know, Taylor, for Taylor, she's singing from a 17-year-old boy's perspective. But if someone hears that as someone who maybe is looking back on their high school experience and they felt like they couldn't be out or yeah. some a, child, a kid today who feels they can be out, thinking about that and not knowing, hey, does this person like me back or not? I think it's a really interesting and different way to view the song. Yeah, and I love I think, it. Yeah, I think if it gives people comfort and like they relate to it i think that's super awesome yeah in that same vein there was a portion of the internet that thought that james was taylor Mm -hmm. and that uh because you know james taylor is who she was named after and so they were like oh this could be a name for her standing for taylor and maybe this is a song about her figuring out her sexuality with another girl Mm -hmm. or an experience that she did have with Mm -hmm. another girl and betty is another name for somebody that's a pretty cool way to listen to it yeah and i like that theory and i but i also think it's important that we let taylor define her own sexuality of course which you know i mean anyone can feel like however they want about different theories and stuff but i think we have to take at face value what taylor chooses to give us and explain to us you know and it's ultimately none of our business exactly yeah same with a lot of her personal life Yeah. yeah another theory that popped up in the early days of folklore was that Betty was the nickname that Rebecca Harkness went by. Track three on Folklore, The Last Great American Dynasty, is about Rebecca Harkness. Fans speculated that the entire album was a concept album written about Rebecca Harkness as a young child going by Betty and James and their saga and their on-and-off relationship through their lives. Though this theory doesn't quite fit all the songs on Closer Examination, and I'm, there's no proof of there being a James in Rebecca Harkness's mm. life. It was a super fun and interesting way for us to listen to the album and, like, have this in mind. 
And it was a really accessible way for us to first start listening to the album. Yeah, it was a really neat way. I think that was one of the first ways we listened to it in the car. Yeah, I wish we knew what who the user was on Twitter. I, I still have it. Oh, you still have yeah, it? Yeah, because we posted oh, all I remember of those we posted for it August. During August. Yeah. yeah, so credit to that user. We'll and I'll, re- I'll post we'll them again. It. Yeah. it was a really fun way to listen to the album. There's this whole thing where like James dies at war mm-hmm. and she's mourning him and my tears ricochet. It was very cool. Yeah. I prefer some of the elements of Taylor's life in the songs mm-hmm. relating those, but I liked this theory when we first heard it. It's pretty it. cool. Yeah. Hey guys, so uh, these are reactions after getting to see the folklore Long Pond Studio Sessions on yes. Disney Plus. So good. <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. So fantastic. As we talk about each song from folklore, we'll use material from the Long Pond Studio Sessions. Yes. But we just want to cover what we might have missed from Betty and August that came up during Mm -hmm. the documentary. Definitely. So the first thing, which we mentioned in this podcast and got right, is that uh, William Bowery is Joe. It's Joe. It's Joe. Uh, William's Joe. Taylor said, there's been a lot of discussion about William Bowery and who he is because it's not a real person. <laughs> so <laughs> William Bowery is Joe, as we know. Joe plays piano beautifully, and he's always just playing and making things up and kind of creating things. And it was just so great also knowing that Jack and Aaron were in on that, and they knew Joe was William Bowery all along, and they were just the denying whole it. whole time. That was really good. So good. And in regards to Betty, Taylor said that she heard Joe singing the entire chorus of Betty while playing piano in the other room, including lyrics. And about collaborating as a couple, she said, it was a step that we would never have taken because why would we have ever written a song together? This was the first time where we had a conversation where I just came in and I was like, hey, this could be really weird and we could hate this. So we (laughs) could just try because we're in quarantine and there's nothing else going on can we try and see what it's like to write a song together so good so good and it's a great song and thank goodness they did because joe's really talented so good and this end exile which you know we'll get to when we cover exile yeah and taylor she because joe was singing that chorus she felt like it sounded like an apology from the male perspective which she was interested in pursuing because she had written so many songs from a female perspective, wanting a male apology. Yeah. Uh, so they decided to make it from a teenage boy's perspective, which gives us James. Yeah. In regards to our friend James, Taylor says he loses the love of his life because he's been foolish. And to which this was one of the best parts in the doc where Jack Antonoff goes, allegedly, and Taylor countered, no, he's been foolish. We wrote it. We're confirming it. I'm confirming it. He's been foolish. All this has been alleged, but now I'm confirming it. Which I love. Um, So good. And then also, which we discussed in this podcast, Taylor revealed that she thinks Betty and James ended up together. Wow. Yeah. Which was really like mind blowing. She thinks that James really put her through it. And, like, it was, like, it was really rough situation, but they got back together. Mm-hmm. And that cardigan is written in hindsight 20 to 30 years later. Which we also called. Yes, we did call that. We got that right. We got that right. But, but we, we thought they that they wouldn't together, be together. Or that yeah. they maybe got back together and then didn't end up together. But Taylor yeah. thinks they're together and it's this great love. Like, they've gone through some stuff and they've made it together, you know. They've made it through it. Yeah, that was, That's like, pretty cool. super mind-blowing to me, yeah. that part. 
And then for a little bit of um, August, since we had already recorded that episode, mm, and it's yes. part of this love triangle, Taylor was thinking of August as Augusta or Augustine, so we kind of got that right, too. We right. were calling her August. And then this is what she said about her. She's not a bad girl. She's a sensitive person who really fell for him, meaning James, trying to seem cool and like she didn't care because that's what girls have to do. And she was trying to let him think that she didn't care, but she really did, and she thought they had something very real. And then he went back to Betty. So then the idea that there's some bad villain girl in any type mm-hmm. of situation who takes your man is actually a total myth because that's not usually the case at all. And everybody has feelings and wants to be seen and loved. Yeah. And I think that quote was really important given a recording of Better Than Revenge last mm-hmm. week, given that, you know, talking about that idea of the villain girl coming yep. in, Taylor completely has shown her growth and that she doesn't believe in that and understanding that idea that no one can take someone from you or take your partner from you, you know, and that... It's a two-way street. And August isn't the villain in the situation. She loved James, too, yep. and was also hurt. Yeah. And so I just think it's just, it shows so much growth. I love Taylor confirming things for us. Yeah, it's the best. I love this, like, unique storytelling, too, where it's not so autobiographical and that she can confirm these characters for us. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, and it's cool that, you know, she let us speculate Mm -hmm. about it and everything, giving us that time Mm -hmm. to try and figure it out for ourselves and whatever, and and then saying, this is how I perceived it when I was writing it. And I love how people have been receiving it and making it into their own ideas and coming up with their own thoughts and whatever about the songs. But this is how I was thinking about when I wrote it. And it's pretty cool because, like, we thought that we got all of them. Yeah, we were pretty good. For the most part. Yeah, we, like, pretty much on the same line as her. And I think it's cool, too, that, like, that's what she was thinking, but then it means different things for us when it goes out into the world. Yeah, so it was very exciting. Such a good documentary. I'm super, like, pumped to use that as we move forward. Yeah. As we talk about folklore For folklore, yeah. It's going to be so awesome. And just the fact that we now have a semi-live recording of all of these songs. Yeah. All acoustic. Just... So cool. What a so, gift. Oh, such a gift. She gave us such a gift this Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, so much to be thankful for. Yeah. So... Oh, so good. <laughs> What's your favorite line in the song? So my favorite line, I love the imagery of this. The first part of the bridge, I was walking home on broken cobblestones just thinking of you when she pulled up like a figment of my worst intentions. Mm. Whoa! I mean, just poetry right there. It's just so... I love the specific word usage, broken cobblestones, Mm. which apply to probably him feeling broken, feeling like he doesn't know what's going on. He's walking away from the school dance. He's walking alone underneath the streetlights on these broken cobblestones, which just give this very, like, dark vibe. And then she pulls up, and she's his worst intentions. Mm -hmm. And she's there at the exact right moment, and he gives in. Mm Mm-hmm. To his worst intentions. That is just like, ugh. And if that is what he would use in the apology to Betty, like, that's deep. It is deep. (laughs) For 17-year-olds especially. He's like, I messed up so hard. She was my worst intentions. She basically came and spoke to the most primal bit of me Mm. who was already very susceptible to doing like he was in a bad place yeah it's crazy 
I still wouldn't take him back. No. But no. I mean, he's still that messed is, up. It, that is such a great line because you can like picture it too, especially yeah. thinking back to 17. Like, I know who those people who were the figment of my worst intentions were. Yep. At that time. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite line? My favorite line is at the end, just the way she sings it, where it's like, it's very like twangy. I know I miss you. Standing in your, and she goes up, cardigan, mm-hmm. kissing in my car again, stopped at a streetlight, you know I miss you. I just, I love that line. I love the reference to the cardigan, because hearing that for the first time, it was felt like like finding gold. It was so exciting. Kissing in my car again was referenced in August. Like, just pulling it all together. And it's cool because it. this is the 14th song, and we had already heard cardigan in August by yeah. that point. If you're listening to it straight through. Yeah. So you're like, oh, cardigan. Oh, cars. Oh, that sounds like from other songs. Yeah. Well, and I think it's what's really interesting, too, is those two songs, those two songs don't tell the story as linearly. Mm. They're in like kind of a more reflecting, emotive way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Betty, he's very straightforward. This is the story. Yeah. So when we've heard those two and then we hear Betty, we piece it all together. Ah. And that's like Betty was where you were like, Oh, that's the song, and those are the two. Like, without Betty, it's harder to connect what sure. those are. Cool. And I think I, it just was so exciting. It was and such that, a fun Taylor thing to have in this album. Oh, so good. And you're right, that outro is just so good. So good. <laughs> Kissing in my car again. Yeah, it's so oh, good. It's so good. And it's also the way how heartfelt it is. In that line, I'm like... Oh, James, I miss you, too. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm rooting for him, even though everything about me doesn't want to root for him. I know. That's good writing. I know. And then it's a good song. It's a good song. It's a really good song. Good song. So, Gab, on a scale of one to ten rumors from Inez, (laughs) what do you give this song? First, we just have to give a little shout out uh, to Inez Reynolds when she grows up and knows that Taylor called her like a gossiper. A a whole gossip. (laughs) She's shady. Shady Inez. (laughs) Okay, I am going to give this song... 10 rumors from Inez. Wow. And as I was thinking about this and thinking about this rating, I actually want to revise my August rating and also give it a 10, which I can do because I make the rules. Wow. (laughs) Does that change your top 20? Well, for me, I think my top 25 are all 10s. Okay. So I do think my top 20 is going to change through this process. Interesting. Because Folklore was so new Mm -hmm. and there are some songs in there that have really risen up for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are also, I think my nine for August was deserved, but I also think it was conservative because I was still listening and exploring folklore. Sure. You know, we recorded that, what, like five yeah. weeks ago, maybe? Yeah. So I'm on much further reflection. I'm figuring out what songs are my favorites more than others. So sure. I'm giving them both a 10. Oh, wow. Yes. From one to 10, rumors from Inez, what do you rate this song? I am going to give this nine Rumors from Inez. I really, really like this song, but with the same standards that I had for August, this is not in my top 20. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to breach my top 20. Mm. I don't think it's going to change very much. It might be top 30. It's a great song. I love this song. I think your top 20 is going to change a lot. It might change a lot. I mean, it already has because You're in Love is not in my top 20 and and I'm obsessed with that song song, so I need to change that. I have three other 
folklore songs in my top 20 that I would consider 10s that mm. I think this is just a smidgen below. It's fair. Perfectly like, fair. If we were doing half numerals, I would give it 9.5. Yeah, but we can't go there. Can't go that's there. really complicated. That just messes everything up. Yeah. So nine. I will give it nine rumors from Inez. I think that's great. And so with that rating method, anything that's not in your top 20 or your fluctuating top 20, you're not going to give a 10. I think so. Okay. Let's see how that goes. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're doing blank space next week, so I don't know. Very exciting. So keep listening along with us. Check yeah. us out on Instagram at Tate Z Podcast and give us all your thoughts. We Please. We love interacting with you guys. We love chatting with you guys. We know everyone loves Betty, so we really want to hear your perspective on this. We want to know, are you Team James or not? Do you Ooh. think they got back together or not? Yeah. I want to hear all your perspectives. Yeah. And what do you guys think of the ACMA performance? Yeah. Wait, what did you guys think of that? We loved it. Yeah, we did a lot. <laughs> a lot. And please, please, please subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment and you can rate us on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. The more reviews we get, the better it is, the more visible we become. We would love if anyone could do that. Even if that's not where you listen, it would be amazing for us. Amazing! So, next week... We're going to dive into Blank Space from 1989. Come hang with us. I'm Devin. And I'm Gab. This has been Tata Z. See you next time. I heard that James cheated on Betty with August all summer long. Inez, you're such a goss.